0: Thanks for listening to the River in the Hills Weekly Sermon. We hope you enjoy this message by Sloan Adams. For more about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at www.riverinthehills.com. It does not take Holy Spirit to point out people's flaws. You don't need the Holy Spirit for that. If you watch the nightly news, they've got that covered. Verse 4, so the angel said to the others standing there, take off his filthy clothes and turning to Joshua, he said, see, I have taken away your sins and now I am giving you these fine clothes. I love this. He tells other people to take off the filthy garments, but then he himself identifies with that reality and says, I'm the one that took it away. So when the church restores people, it is as if God himself did it in culture. That is a powerful truth and one we must grab a hold of. Verse 5, Then I said, they should also place a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean priestly turban on his head and dressed him in new clothes while the angel of the Lord stood by. If you guys haven't read where it says in Exodus and it talks about the turban, the priestly turban, they also made a gold medallion that hung from the turban and it was engraved with the words, Holy unto the Lord. So what God was interested in here was not just that he was restored in the eyes of the heavenly realm, but also in the eyes of those in the earthly realm. Restoration from top to bottom, everywhere. Everyone knows he's back in a place of authority and I need to follow his leadership. That is so critical. And if the church could grab a hold of that, we would not be able to keep people out of the church. People would be busting down our doors. But they think, that the church is a place that's going to tell them what they did wrong. This is it's, it's happened. I've experienced it. Many of you have experienced it. And I just want to say, too, if you have experienced this in a church context, here or somewhere else, on behalf of the leadership of this house, I just want to say, I am sorry. That is not God's heart. It has never been God's heart. But we cannot afford to throw the baby out with the bathwater, as it were, when it comes to church. Just because the church has hurt you doesn't mean that God's requirement of you being a part of church has gone out. It doesn't change. Luke 15. But his father said to the servants, to the servants, quick means run. Run. Quick, fast, and in a hurry. Mas rapido, por favor. Bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf. We have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. I just want to say, we, the, one of the prayers that has just gone up con, consistently from this house is for prodigals to come home. But I'm going to tell you something. If we are not ready to do what it talks about in this verse, to restore them with robes, rings, and sandals, he's not going to bring them back. God is waiting for a church that says, I will restore. I'll restore them to a place of honor. In this passage, it's important to note that when what would, the, the father running to meet him wasn't just a reality of uh, God being willing to uh, shame himself to go and retrieve the son, he was preventing the, sh- the son from being shamed. Because what would have happened is that the town leaders would have seen the son coming, grabbed him, brought him into the center of the city, and began to shame upon him, pour shame upon him. And say, What is wrong with you? You disgraced your father. Point fingers, accuse, accuse, accuse. If there is ever any part of us that is partnering with accusation, I don't need to tell you the devil is known as the accuser. So that isn't from the Lord. And so when we go and we retrieve prodigal sons, when we, when we, Instead of waiting on the porch with our arms folded for them to come home, but we go out like the older brothers should have done and go out into the far country and bring them home and say, we're going we're gonna to restore. Then we are partnering with the heart of God as the local church. This is who we are. John eleven forty three. 43. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. His hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a head cloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. In all of these stories, what is so critical and so mind-blowing to me is that the power to bring life and resurrection comes from God and God alone. But the power and the authority to restore people to the place of honor comes from the community of which they are a part. We have to embrace this as an identity. We don't have an option. And God has given us this mandate and said, you take the grave clothes off. You take the grave clothes off. So we've now reached the part of the message where I'm going to talk about college football. So I know some of you were wondering at what point sports was going to come up. Here we are. We're here now. So... We've reached the part of the college football season where the coaching carousel is starting to spin. People are starting to change. We need a new coach. Our team has been terrible since the mid-1950s, and it's time for us to go back to who we were and all this stuff. A couple of weeks ago, two prestigious institutions and college football programs changed their coach within hours of each other. Lincoln Riley, the former head coach of the University of Oklahoma, went to go coach at USC. University of Southern California. Brian Kelly lied to a recruit in his home and told him that he had not been hired at LSU when in fact he had and became the new head coach at Louisiana State University. So when this happens, what's going on in these moments? Well, these programs are saying, hey, uh, there's a standard here. We have a standard of excellence that we expect and we have not been living up to that standard. Uh, so, last year, University of Texas went out and hired this guy, Steve Sarkisian. Now, why do I bring that up? Because a lot of times these coaches come into these environments and they look at what they have at their disposal, coaches, culture, boosters, players, all, and the like. And they look at it like, they look at, like we would look at um, purchasing a home. How many of you guys have purchased a home because you thought it was move-in ready? Anyone? And then you get into the home and you're like, that's not move-in ready. We're going to be ripping this puppy back to the studs. Steve Sarkeesian discovered that's what the University of Texas is. Because if... if there was a ranking system for teams best through three quarters of a four-quarter football game. <laughs> Texas would have been number one in the country. It's quarter number four, just like, I have no idea, well, what are we supposed to do? I thought we only did 45 minutes. What's... And so wh- what is happening is that he's discovered that what he got was not a move-in ready program, but a fixer-upper program. And I brought up fixer-upper because we now have shiplap on our back wall. It all connects, folks. It all connects. I love that on the day, that the last day of our carpet, the Lord put it on my heart to talk about the church restoring. Whoa. And I also love that we are going to be celebrating the life of Carl Sandstrom, who was told when he was in his 20s by a doctor, you're going to die from cancer. And he turned around and said, cool, so in months. Cool, so 50 more years, got it, and lived 50 more years beyond that, right? And so because, come on, because he himself experienced the restoration of God in his own life, he then turned around and carried a mantle of restoration. All you need to look at is his car. If we don't recognize how much we've been restored, it's going to be very difficult for us to want to restore anyone else. (laughs) Jesus knew what he was getting into when he chose us. There's a Misty Edwards song that that is the exact phrase. Similarly, we must realize that the revival we long for is going to involve messy people needing an encounter with the water of the word. Guys, can I tell you something? There's no such thing as a move-in-ready revival. It doesn't exist. The revival God is bringing is going to look a whole lot like a fixer-upper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A whole lot. It's, it's move-in ready on his end. Yeah. It's a fixer-upper on ours. Yes. There's no such thing as a move-in ready Christian. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We get saved, but then there's salvation and then there's sanctification. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's seed. I'm going to quote Joyce Joyce Meyer, mom. There's seed, time, and harvest. Right? That's that's what we're doing. Sometimes people get healed. Sometimes it's messy people who have never said yes to Jesus, and sometimes it's people who have fallen away. Sometimes people get healed instantly, and sometimes we have to walk alongside of them in their healing. Also, I'd like to say, this is a quote from Paul Manwaring, surgery is not a second-class healing. God has given wisdom to doctors to be able to perform healing. But no matter where people are on the spectrum, we must be a people who are covenanted to people's long-term best interests. That's love. Not short-term benefit, long-term best interest. We put our money in for a long time. We're going to let that thing build. This is not a Bitcoin revival. We're not doing it. This is not a fad that's going to be here today and gone tomorrow. We are in it for the long haul. And if you're looking for a family that's going to be in it with you for the long haul, this is a place for you. That's who we are. Number three. So we've talked about the church is a place to rally. Church is a place, or the local church is called to restore. Thirdly, the local church is called to rule. Rule. The future of the church is not to be separate, but serving. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16, Paul is describing the gifts. And he's also talking about the body of Christ. The body of Christ being the church. I'm not going to read this whole passage. You can read it um, on your own time. um, And I highly recommend that you do. But what I want to point out is he, he calls the church the body of Christ. And he identifies Jesus as the head. So just I'm going to use myself as a visual for this. Jesus is the head, and we are the body. Okay? Is everybody tracking with me? This is like, I, mean, this is, I know this is real complicated anatomy for some of you. Head, everything else is body. Okay? So there's a verse that we read every time. I've heard this verse every time this time of year. Isaiah chapter 9. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. Where are my shoulders? Are they on my head or on my body? Which means that in this verse, what God is saying is the government rests on the church. Not the other way around. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, His government that's on the shoulders of the church and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of His ancestor David for all eternity. And we've been talking about our commitment to local church, the passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. As passionate as I am about calling you into a passionate commitment to local church. God is infinitely more passionate about local church than we will ever be. His initiative is so much greater than our involvement. He wants to, he, and so the minute we say yes, he is right there with strength and power. Matthew 16 verse 18, Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. I'm going to make a slightly controversial statement. Just keep it on on theme. What has happened in culture here in America... Is not culture's fault. It's ours. And I don't say that to accuse. I say that to say we are the thermostat and we unplugged ourselves from the wall of culture and say we don't want to be involved anymore. And then we're surprised when, when sinners do this really bizarre thing in sin. He's given us the keys. Whatever we allow gets allowed. Whatever we say no to gets stopped. That's what he said. So we permitted ourselves to be locked down. We did. But no more. No more. That word for church, some of you are probably going to know as soon as where I'm going, as soon as I said that. The word for church there is the word ecclesia. Jesus was very intentional about his words, and he used the word ekklesia, which was not a spiritual term in the slightest. It came, it was a Greek term originating in Athens. And it had the it, it was a, a body of people that would come together, of all of the citizens, and they had not lost their civil rights. Its power and purpose were was to all apparent intents apparent unlimited. In other words, there was nothing they couldn't rule on. It directed city policy, declared war, arranged alliances, raised and budgeted funds. All of its meetings began with prayer and sacrifice, albeit demonic, but they began with prayer and sacrifice. It was a true democracy. Its two great concepts were this. Equality, isonomia, And freedom, ela utheria. Those were the two main concepts in an ecclesia. Everyone had an equal right and an equal duty. It actually just came to mean any duly convened assembly of citizens. And the Romans said, we don't even need to bother coming up with a different term for this. We're just going to transliterate it into our language. So they kept the word. The word literally means called out ones. And what's important about that is we call out our political leaders when we vote for them. Think about it in terms of, like, we're, we're calling out people to say, I want you to serve in a position of government. That was the word Jesus used for church. It's been poorly translated down through the ages. He didn't use the word for temple. He didn't use the word for synagogue. He used the word for a governmental body. Wow. That is the church. We are supposed to govern culture. Govern it. Dictate what happens and what doesn't. Jesus did not come to start a new gathering that was designed to remain apart. Instead, he came to establish a governmental body that would shape the culture that it was in through prayer and through action. As citizens, which means co ruler of America, we have been given authority by the Constitution. We must covenant ourselves with our communities and our spheres of influence until the kingdom of God comes and the will of God is done in these territories. We must win for the lamb the reward of his suffering until the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. This is who we are. We are meant to govern. So, Marissa, if you could, you and the worship team could come back up. My conclusion is pretty simple. Two words get involved. Get involved. There is no time in this hour for spectator Christianity. We cannot sit in the stands. And there is a place and a position on the team for every single person here. You have a role to play in bringing the kingdom of God to the planet. So the first thing that I want to say, I don't want to take it for granted this morning that in a gathering such as this, there may be somebody here that has never said yes to Jesus. The first thing to become involved in the body of Christ is to say yes to Christ himself. Right? There's, no, there's no involvement in the body if you haven't said yes to him. And I just want to tell you, he loves you. He's not sitting up in, hang, in, in heaven angry with you. He's also not hangry with you. That was what was getting ready to... <laughs> Clearly, I am moving in that direction. Um, <laughs> no, he's not, he's not angry. He's not upset. And if you're sitting here in these seats this morning and you would say, Sloan, I I don't know this Jesus you're talking about, but I want to know him. He wants to know you too. He wants to know you too. It's all he's ever wanted. He doesn't want what you can do for him. He wants your heart and he'll tell you what to do next. So that's step one. Step two, maybe you're looking for a local church. Maybe you, you just happened to walk through the doors today. This is your first or second or third Sunday. Can I just tell you, we're so glad you're here. We're so glad you're here. Like, we're honored that you're present. It means a lot. There's a lot of places you could be on a Sunday morning, including the couch that I talked about earlier. And But you're here. And I just want to say, would you prayerfully consider making River in the Hills your home? You carry. We can learn from you. <laughs> We're not too proud. We want to learn. Thirdly, maybe maybe you've been coming for a while, and you're like, Well, I've been coming, so what now? It's this great thing called Rith 101. We don't have formal membership, but we do want to tell you who we are. Pastor Nate will be doing some of those in 2022. I would encourage you, if you haven't gone to RITH 101 yet, maybe you've been coming for a while and you haven't gone to RITH 101. If you haven't gone to RITH 101, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's Pastor Nate, so it's a lot of fun. Pastor Nate's a lot of fun. Fourth, maybe you've been faithfully attending and you've gone to RITH 101. you, firstly, and this is not not me manipulating you in any way, the Bible says that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you're not regular, if you're a faithful attender, but you're not regularly tithing to this house, can I encourage you, it actually becomes a lot easier to say yes to what's happening in the house when you're giving your money towards what's happening in the house. I don't know if you've found how wherever your money goes, you just kind of follow that path. It's weird. It's like the Bible said that. So bizarre, right? I would encourage you regularly tithe. Not because we need your money or God needs your money, but God wants to bless you. And he promises a blessing to those who tithe. In fact, it's the only place in scripture where he says to test him. So test him. See if he won't open the windows of heaven The other thing that I would say is find and commit to a home group. We have two right now. Pastor Glenn's that meets every third Thursday of every month. And then Pastor Nate, which meets every Friday. If you're not going to a home group, it can be really hard and really intimidating to connect with people in a gathering of this size. That's why we have home groups. Because we can do life together one-on-one. And I'm telling you what, some of the stuff that happens at Pastor Nate's home group, I, I'm sure crazy stuff happens at your small group, uh, Pastor Glenn. But some of the stuff that happens at Pastor Nate's home group is like, what is happening? Like, what is going on? People are getting set free, delivered, healed. I mean, like, people are getting blessed financially. It's, I mean, it's mind blowing. This is, Jesus said, "Wherever two or three are gathered, I'm there." I, sh- I, I want to be like, He's there. So show up on a, on a home group. Maybe you're in a, maybe you're already in a home group and you're wanting to step it up a little bit more in 2022. Then I would, then I would encourage you. First of all, we, our DNA is a house of, we are a house of prayer, first and foremost. If you, you see our vision statement out there is to move God's heart and then go out and change the world. We want to be a, a church that is all about the great commandment, loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbor as ourselves. Before we ever consider. Stepping out into the Great Commission, going and making disciples. So I would I would encourage you, if you're not already committed to a live set that happens in our prayer room, or more importantly, to being a gatekeeper here in the house, which means you just come and lift up prayer and praise and thanks. You just sit in this room. If you're not already committed to that, then talk to Pastor Kyle. Right? We want we want you to get involved in that way. And can I tell you something? It never fails. When I come in here for a set to just be in God's presence, he shows up. In fact, he was here waiting for me. I just showed up and he's like, oh, okay, now we can have a conversation. It's so life-giving. And I mentioned this a few weeks ago when we did ask the pastors. There's something about taking your physical body to a different location with a committed time that moves God's heart. It'd be like saying to to your spouse, like, hey, uh, love you. And then that was the end of that. There was no dates. There was no nothing. It's just like God's like he, he doesn't just want our words. He wants our actions. And there, and and by the way, can I also tell you? I'll let you in on a little secret. If you want to govern culture? Show up and pray. Intercession is one of the most powerful things we can do for our state, for our city, for our nation. And who knows? I don't know where I don't know where the incense line is in the bowl right now. A revival in America but I can tell you it's greater today than it was 20 years ago. We're closer now than we've ever been. It's coming and your prayer might be the grain of incense that falls and tips it over. I don't know. I don't know. But I can tell you you will be blessed if you come. Lastly, actually, one more thing on that. We need we have two. They're all out here in Lakeway, and I live 45 minutes from the church. It would be nice if there were other home groups. Actually, it would be it's essential that we have other home groups around our city. We need places and touch points for people who can't drive 45 minutes out here. So if that if this is stirring your heart and you're like, I'll lead i I'll lead a home group, or maybe I'll give my home for the home group. I won't lead it, but I'll I'll open up my home for it. Talk to our pastoral team. We'd love to connect with you and find a way to do that. Lastly, if you're already doing everything that I just said, uh, then you're perfect. No, I'm just kidding. If you're already doing all those things, we're called to govern culture and be involved in society. So, number one, our Constitution starts with the phrase we, the people, we're in charge. When we pray for those in authority, We are those people. We're co-rulers. Number one, vote. I'm serious, vote. Complaining about leaders that aren't doing what you want and not voting is like complaining about God not doing something and you not praying. It's the same thing. And so I would encourage you, vote. I don't know, you know, it's just like your little vote might be the one that tips it. Secondly, for those of you that have kids, and maybe those of you that don't are, are moving in that direction, go to school board meetings. Go to city councils. If 2020 taught us nothing, it's that these people have a lot more power than we thought over our lives. They can change what happens in our lives and in the lives of our kids. And we have to be the ones that get up and use our voice to say, Yes, you are allowed to do that and no, you are not allowed to do that. Yes, you are allowed to teach that to my child and no, you are not allowed to teach that to my child. But if we won't do it, nobody else will. So we must get involved. And there might be some of you in this room and you're like, I'll I'll run for school board. Please, please do it. The church has been out, out, like walked away from, from government. God hates politics, but he loves government. He's big into government. And so the church has abdicated her role in government for too long. It is time that we step back in and start saying, we're going to start bringing heaven to earth through our laws, through our decrees, through our curriculums. We're going to start seeing heaven show up on earth. Would you stand with me? You are coming back. We miss you. We miss you, Jesus. Just so moved this week watching the chosen and Mary of Magdalene saying, I miss him. We miss you, Jesus. Come back. We want to be the victorious bride. Help us, Holy Spirit. For those of you that have been listening to this today and you're saying, I want to sign up again, freshly, in whatever way, to local church, I want you to come down to the altar. There's no shame. There's no condemnation. We don't do that here in this house. You're saying, I want to sign up again in a fresh way. I'm giving my yes to the local church. you need prayer, if I could have the ministry teams come forward, if you need prayer for anything going on physically, in your bodies, emotionally, it doesn't matter. If you just need prayer today, I want you to come up. These will be up here. Jesus, we bless you. We thank you for giving us the gift of local church, the investment of local church. God, I'm asking today for an increase. An increase in people who say, yes, I will go to the house of the Lord. I will not let anything stop me. I will go to the house of the Lord. I will get involved. dismissed, but if you, um, if you want to stay, you're welcome to stay. We're not going to kick you out. Um, God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday. Thank you so much for coming. We love you. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. To download the notes and slides for this message, visit our website, riverinthehills.com. If you would like to partner with us in moving God's heart and changing the world, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and share this episode with a friend.